Joe can do. Those phone calls put you through college. As you draw closer, note the surrounding characters. And know this, John and Mike will celebrate when you get here. Arrived at the Joe Beaver Show, 1240 Joe Radio. Good morning, everybody. We are, as you can tell, (laughs) if you've been listening, have had some issues with the radio station. And I don't think it's the first time I've ever said that. I don't think it's the first time that's ever been true. But John is um, diligently working behind the scenes now to try to correct the problems along with Glenn Noble and others. It's sort of all hands on deck with respect to this. So TJ is across the board from yours truly, Mike Parker. Welcome into the Joe Beaver Show for this Thursday. John will probably get here at some point, but there are bigger things to deal with just in terms of trying to get whatever it is going wrong fixed. TJ, it's good to see you. We have some things to talk about. We have at least one guest, and we're waiting to hear back from another. The guest coming up at 1230, which gives us plenty of opportunity for open phones between now and then, will be broadcaster, former Husky, former North Eugene High School star, and a good friend of the show, Elise Woodward, to talk about Oregon State women's basketball, the game that she called on Sunday when the Beavers managed, in spite of a a less than sterling offensive performance to win. Yesterday, they couldn't overcome a a poor offensive performance. We'll talk to Elise and get her feel about what she sees and perceives in the Oregon State women's basketball team coming home this weekend. I think that's going to do a world of good for the Beavs to get back. Coach Ruick and his staff, second to none in terms of adjustments, preparations, development, all of that. I I think this team's going to continue to get better, but it is a little bit, I don't know if it's disconcerting to you as fans watching, listening, and so on to say, hey, what's going on here? What, what's missing? What do they need? Can, how, how good, how far can this team go? What needs to happen to, to see them make another pretty serious run? We'll talk with Elise and get her perspective on that in a, uh, next hour. A lot of open phones between now and then. TJ, you also, when I talk about all hands on deck, are part of trying to fix things that are going on behind the scenes. All of these things are way above my pay grade and my understanding. I do not know or fully understand what the issues are, what's going on. All I know, you know, I I turn on 1240 Joe radio and Jim isn't there. The Rome show isn't there. What's going on in a nutshell, and what are they trying to fix out there in the hallway right now? Just connectivity to the satellite. So obviously all the the national programming comes in on a satellite, and the last, I'd say, week and a half, we've been having a couple problems trying to connect to the satellite, and if you've heard Rome, it's it's a little choppy and not, not a perfect feed, and we had a, a little bit of a problem with the women's game yesterday as well from Learfield, but thankfully Learfield has an online stream as well that you can just plug into crystal clear. Uh, so that's just a little bit of the issue. It doesn't affect our programming here in studio. Local which, stuff. Local stuff, mm-hmm. which the Joe Beaver Show can run on as, uh, as planned, but uh, otherwise, yeah, just a couple of little things here to fix and get. And you did a good job yesterday on the fly when you mentioned – the Beaver game uh, at uh, Washington State, 
early in Ron Callen's pregame. There were some stops and starts and so on as you were trying to, okay, once again, we're having some satellite issues, but you found a different stream or feed of the game that was free of those problems and sort of on the air, on the fly, in the middle of a segment, you got that connected. So good work on your part. Yeah, it makes it helpful and, and nice to, you know, it is always good to have good live programming here in the afternoon in prime time. I and mean, we normally just have Fox and stuff, but John always says it like live programming is better than nothing. And the best quality of live programming we can produce, that's what we're going to do. And that's what we had. And unfortunate for the women's game yesterday, six points in the first quarter, it sets a, 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 a bad tone. Oh, do you have the box in front of I'm, you? I'm looking at okay, it Okay, right tell me what the final, I know from three it wasn't good, but it didn't sound like it was particularly good from any part of the, of the court yesterday. So what was the shooting percentage for the team at game's end? Uh, overall, 34%, okay. or if you want exact, 33.9%. 33.9. Exact, one of 12 from beyond the arc. Free throws are okay, but not to the line a whole bunch, 12 of 16. You know, this is a team... Scott Ruick's teams have been lights out from beyond the line and excellent offensively with shooting percentages. Their defense continues to play well. I mean, their defense gave them a, a winning effort again yesterday. So I expect, and Coach Ruick's been doing this at such a high level for so long, I expect uh, great improvement this weekend at home. But as we roll into the show today, if any of you are, are longtime connoisseurs of Oregon State women's basketball and the various teams that you've appreciated and seen through the years, and so if you come at it with a Coach Ruick, you don't have to say that you think he's the greatest coach ever, the women's basketball program's the greatest thing ever. I'm not saying that that's what I expect you to think or even say, but I guess what I'm getting at is if you are a longtime fan uh, season ticket holder, follower, travel to road games when you can, sort of admire and, and fan devoted uh, to the program. But, do, but, and I say with all of that, but you're looking at this team this year and see maybe it, an inherent flaw. Is it an injury? I, is there anything you're seeing this year that gives you a little pause or cause for concern about? the rest of the season playing out and how good the league is and what kind of run they can make anything. And you have the advantage. If you are in the categories I described, you have the advantage of, of me and many uh, perhaps listening to, to be able to say, okay, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I, what's going on, what's ailing them. But you also may have the conviction that things are indeed going to get better and have the trust in the coach and his system and the staff and the players to just keep getting better and better. And that the last couple of games and particularly yesterday happens in the course of a long, and in this case, long and again, interrupted season. So if you have any thoughts, just as a longtime fan or even a relative newcomer to the program and watch this team play and heard the game or watch the game yesterday via the live stream, feel free. To jump in, we'll take your thoughts and comments at 497-5356 on the Downward Dog phone line. The University Honda text line is also available, 541-497-5356. TJ, I asked you to look up a quote a little while ago, and you did, because the word blunder 
It's a, it's a good word. It somehow blunder sounds like what it is. Sounds like a, a, a pirate terminology. It could. Like in pillage and plunder. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe okay. Off of that. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But blunder. Somebody said, ah, he blundered. Or, yeah, they went through a series of blunders. If you heard somebody went through a series of blunders, I don't think you would say that they went through a series you wouldn't immediately think, even if you didn't know the denotative meaning of the word, would not think, oh, they must have had, they had a good run, huh? A, a series of good things. Somehow blunder sounds like what it sounds. Not good. A blunder is not a good thing. <laughs> I felt as though yesterday I blundered. With respect, and I say this now to to Dave and Tumwater, who has sort of put us on this track, and I appreciate it, but the graciousness with which uh, the person in Melanie Newman's life handled it last night was so profound to me that I, I feel as though we're going to have some acceptance and forgiveness in terms of the blunder and not knowing the whole shot. And I think it's important to, it, it taught me a lesson about before venturing in and thus ending up what struck me as blundering in to kind of try to get a better context instead of just glibly reaching out. And here's what we're talking about. The, the conversation this week, and we're going to hear the interview a little bit later today from Jacob Melton. We've heard Will Frisch and Wade Meckler will play my one-on-one with Jacob Melton from a couple of days ago today on the Joe Beaver Show. So baseball, sun's out a little, still chilly and cold, but just the sun, knowing that we're inside of a month, just a few weeks away from baseball getting underway, softball as well as we rehearsed with Laura Berg yesterday. Baseball a little bit on the mind. And that has led Dave, who is uh, our most, I think, perhaps our most faithful caller, listener through the years, to say, hey, if you guys could get Melanie Newman on, the Wonderkin broadcaster for the Baltimore Orioles, I think 31, maybe now 32, but 31-year-old television voice of the Baltimore Orioles. Her story is, you know, what is her story? Well, her story is a great story. And through Jessica Mendoza, whom we, you know, Laura Berg and Jessica, former teammates and good friends. Jessica's been on the show a couple of times. I reached out to Jessica yesterday. Could you send us Melanie Newman's number? We'd like to get Melanie Newman on to talk about her career, Orioles baseball, but specifically Adley Rutschman and just her sense of what she thinks is ahead for Adley. Uh, lockout, lockout aside, who knows what's ahead for anybody, but let's just put aside and just imagine that there could be a full you imagine Adley waiting and waiting, and he's got to keep waiting because there there won't be a, a season starting on time or at all. We'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. You have a little better feel on that, TJ, and maybe you could give us a sense of it. But let's just, for argument's sake, say there will be a 2022 season, and the Baltimore Orioles will have one. And Adley Rutschman should indeed make his debut in the big leagues this year, I would think, but when? So that's kind of the angle that, before the, the, the chaos and the madness and the busyness begins, Dave was saying maybe you could get somebody who's, you know, deeply rooted in the Orioles organization and system and may have a sense of, of, of Adley's place on the roster coming up in 2022. Okay, that's a great idea, Dave, and thank you for it. And through Jessica, we got a number for Melanie, and I just 
texted essentially what I just said to you, TJ. I did see, and this is, this is where the blunder occurs, as I began to research her out a little bit, I saw one tweet and something to the effect that on Melanie Newman's Twitter handle, she said, my father would have loved the walk-off field goals and would have had all the stats ready to go about the history of the NFL. I mean, that type of thing and walk-off games in the league. My dad would have loved this past weekend. So my mind thinks, well, she must have lost him, you know, somewhere along the way. And it affected her obviously must had lost him. My dad would have loved this and that. And then she, she also added in her tweet, something to the effect of listen to your loved one's stories, you know, make sure you don't miss out on their stories and what they have to say. I thought, wow, that's great advice. But I kind of looked at it through, that's good general advice to all of us about the people that are precious to us and that we love and that you never know. You, don't, you can't take anything for granted. You want to have a closeness and love and contact in the living years, as the old song goes. But that's as far as I went, TJ. I didn't, I saw that. And thought, oh, that's good counsel in life. She's 31 years old and above her years in terms of wisdom and dispensing that kind of counsel on Twitter. Well, it, it struck me as, wow, that's, that's good. That's good stuff yeah. for her to say. But I didn't go any further, and that's where I blundered. That's where I erred. So I saw that. Wow. Hmm. Okay. But then went ahead and sent the text anyway to Melanie about, you know, we're out here in uh, Adley's alma mater area, hometown, essentially, home state. Big following here for, for Adley Rutschman specifically. Would love to have you on our local show uh, to talk about Adley, to talk about the Orioles, to talk about your own career trajectory. Would really appreciate it. Thank you, Melanie. Gave contact information and so on. Uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Something to that effect. About an hour later, I get a text back from Melanie's husband. Mike, this is our, our boyfriend, not husband. Uh, the, he texts back and says, Mike, thank you for the text. I'm handling inquiries now for Melanie. Her father suddenly passed away last week, and she's just in the midst of a... You see what I'm saying about blundering in and not not having the full context when I just glibly send a tweet, hey, can you come on the Joe Beaver show without knowing her own context? Now, I know that it's not possible for any of us. I mean, how am I supposed to, in a sense, know that? But I did read the tweet mm -hmm. about the living years, essentially, and listen to your loved ones and hear their stories and even record those stories. I don't know if she meant record them in a, in a written form or literally turn on a tape recorder and get your loved one's voices on tape when you can. That's the sense that I got, that that's what she said. And I could tell that she, there was almost a twinge of regret in it. So I didn't know how fresh or how, how raw or whatever that, mm -hmm. that was. And it happened apparently just within the last week. And so Andrew was kind enough, thoughtful enough to get back to me and say, so she's laying low for, well, obviously she is. And I don't expect her on the Joe Beaver show thus in the real near future. If she doesn't, she'll go back to work. She'll do all of those things. But... I just felt as though I kind of blundered into that, and I wrote back to Andrew and apologized. I said, "It's thank you so much for getting back to me. My apologies for this. 
and God bless you guys. And I hope, you know, I, I hope uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're there to support her and hope that she is doing okay with all of this. She's only 31. So I can't imagine her, you know, her father, it must have been taken them by surprise. And the boyfriend used the word suddenly, unexpectedly, passed. It's tough. That, that, yeah. The way that tweet is framed, it could be last month. It could be last a couple, year. last year it could be. I mean, you always have waning memories of your parents. It is a reminder to appreciate everything you have and your family around you. And as much as they annoy you, be sure to <laughs> love them always, if, even if you don't get along that well. It's, it's important, but it is, um, yeah, it, I, it's hard for you to know. I mean, yeah, I didn't you're know doing your job. Yeah. And, I, and I felt bad about it. It, it. it just struck me as somewhat blundering and doltish. However, it did get me think about, and do you, do you still have the line? Could you find it again real quick? The Captain Renault line, do you have it on your phone? When I thought about the word blunder, though, now pulling back and coming away from that, that sensitivity I had to my own blunder, the word blunder, I think, is best used in the history of cinema in the film Casablanca, the 1943 classic. We were talking about Carter Baines, Baines as in Reigns and Claude Rains, and I suggested that Reigns' magnum opus was notorious, 1946, Hitchcock. I do think that's his best role ever. He's okay as Lon Chaney Jr.'s dad in the original Wolfman, too, but, and as the Invisible Man, the original uh, cinematic version. But his magnum opus, Notorious, with a very close second, Captain Renault in <laughs> Casablanca, where he's the funniest character in the film. I'm shocked, shocked to see gambling going on in here. I mean, it just, there's so many lines in Casablanca that are great, and he delivers many of them. Claude Rains does. But he did deliver a line about blundering, and I think a German commandant or somebody was saying, well, we can expect more blundering by the Americans during this war or whatever, something to that effect. And Captain Renault, Claude Rain, said what to that? He says, but we mustn't underestimate American blundering. I was with them when they blundered into Berlin in 1918. <laughs> That's a great line. And it got me thinking about the, the my own blunder, but just even thinking of the word blunder. The Captain Renault line is a good one. It also got me thinking of Rob Nyer, the commissioner of the West Coast League and a new season coming up with the Knights. That's a ways off. We still have Beaver baseball to get to first. But Rob has a my favorite book of Rob Nyers, and he's written many. Is the the big the big book of baseball blunders, and he uh, he breaks down bl- blundering in baseball in moments through the years. And he's not talking about physical error. He, he does not classify errors like Buckner or whatever else as blunders. He said those are just a physical part of the game. But decisions made personnel changes to pinch it or not pinch it to intentionally walk or not to take games at home instead of the road, like the giants and Dodgers in 51, the Dodgers could have had home field advantage at Ebbets field. And there would have been, there would have been no moment. The giants won the pennant. The giants won the pennant in game three had the Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, taken They they chose the Dodgers chose to play game one at home and then to get up in the series and then hope to win one of two at the polo grounds. The Dodgers blundered, according to Rob Nyer. And they're right. You take the two games at home. You go on the road, play your your one game, and then you hope to win game two and have home field advantage in game three. The Dodgers went the other way. Said, no, we'll open, we'll open uh, at home and then go play games two and three at the polo grounds. And that leads, that decision 
which Nia rightly calls a blunder, leads to the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant, et cetera, et cetera. You were going to say something about Nair or blunders or something. Well, and blundering in that, it's blunder. Americans blundering into Berlin. You, American, were blundering into Baltimore. Yeah, that's true. I was. No, I was. You can't <laughs> underestimate American blundering. But he was being a little sarcastic about it, and that's the beauty of the line. Open phones if you'd like to join us. Dave, does that contextualize anything? Were you aware of any of this in Melanie's life? And so I'm hoping, I hope you understand that we'll try again. You know, we'll kind of, you know, give it some time and maybe try again down the road. But I think we got to let that one kind of sit for a while. So that's where that effort is. And thanks to you, TJ, and I'm excited about this for later today. The fruit of this will be on the show tomorrow. We went through official channels, which PR people, sports information people, everywhere in the world would probably say to all of us and people who are seeking interviews and requests for interviews, we went through the official channels and I could see the 49ers PR person and PR people everywhere sit back and say, see, that's what you should do. It works. I know that You talk to some sports information people who are very upset when we, we are not, we've occasionally circumvented SIDs and gone directly to the source, but at Oregon State in our working relationship, 90% of the time, if not higher, we, we get on the phone and the text with the people in charge of those sports and say, we'd like to talk to Coach Berg or Coach Tinkle or Coach Ruick or could we talk to Taya Corsdale or could we talk to, and we go through, it's their job, they're gatekeepers, they understand, they know the schedules, they have all the con, contacts, and they, they and it's a, it's a proper role and the right kind of role to, that, that people in that business have, and it's important, and even if there's a personal relationship, even a cell number that I could go ahead and text and call and, and go around and, and go directly to the person you want to talk to. That isn't how it's supposed to work. And I think the higher you go in the world of sport, one understands that there need to be people like that. Can you imagine how many requests after Talanoa Hufunga scores the touchdown that ties the game against Green Bay? how his phone would blow up from people all over wanting, who is this guy, first of all, who they may not have been aware of his time at Crescent Valley or USC or, you know, whatever else as a ball boy for Sandy M. Christian in 2011 when the Eagles won the state championship. I mean, suddenly now that his story, what is his story? People want to know, who is this guy? And if, if, if there wasn't somebody in the PR world handling requests for Jimmy Garoppolo on a higher stage or whomever else, then they would just be occupied all day with either answering requests and calls or ignoring their phone and their email or Instagram or whatever altogether. So we thought, though, that given some knowledge of the family and phone numbers and relationship, we, we, tried, to, <laughs> we tried to use those connections and say, hey, is it possible to visit with Talanoa? And... We got a, a very courteous response back saying he's laying low and is only going to do what the 49er people ask him to do. And he, 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 because there would be quite a few things, I'm sure, from 
from people in this state and in this area who would want to, you know, get a hold of him and make contact with him leading into the big game on Saturday. Is it Saturday or no Sunday? The NFL. It'll be Sunday. Sunday, the I don't NFC know Championship which game. Slate they're in, but Sunday. but all of that to say, I said, you know, let's let's dot our eyes, cross our T's, TJ, and could you please reach out through the 49ers PR person and formally request an interview with Talanoa Hufanga? And what did you get? And we got it. <laughs> I, I I'm going to be honest. When I didn't get a response by Tuesday morning, I was like. No, ain't going to happen. Busy. Yeah. That's okay. But yesterday afternoon, um, first of all, finding the 49ers PR email was difficult. <laughs> it is not, I mean, when you look for contact information, you'll go through media guides. They have a whole media portal on their website, which I didn't even know about, <laughs> full of information and such. And and I thought there would be a contact information, oh, interview requests, right. just a simple time. Sure. There was not. I had to go to the credential application for the season and I click on that and I figure, huh, maybe they'd have you just email someone. And I was right because the, it, the message on there says applications closed for the credentials for the 2021 <laughs> season. Please email Tessa at 49ers.com. Ooh, that puts you on a track. And You're all like, sleuthing mm-hmm. this thing out. It, it took about yeah. 35, 40 minutes for me to find her email, but thankfully she responded and was like, we have Talanoa on Thursday after practice. Yeah, we'll get him. On it. We will get uh, Talanoa today after practice and play back the interview tomorrow and be able to visit with him about things that on a national level he probably won't get nearly as much of, if anything. Uh, and I look forward to the conversation. He's a sweet, talented, great kid, always has been, and from a tremendous family. And those are the things, and we'll talk to him about the challenge of trying to beat the Rams again and, and his big moment, uh, picking up the block punt and scoring. I mean, it's a great moment scoring for anybody. Scoring playoff touchdown yeah, how about Snowy that? Lambeau. How about that? That's, a, that's tremendous for Talanoa Hufanga out of Crescent Valley High School and born in Corvallis. It's, it, it, he's a local uh, great story. But he's also just from a tremendous family with his parents, uh, Tanya and Tavita. Tavita, born in Tonga, will get a sense from Talanoa, I hope, about whether he has family, friends, and that, you know, what, just what's going on in, in his uh, parents' native country in terms of uh, the volcano and, and the devastation there. And, Talanoa is very tied into the Tongan community in the Northern Bay Area. So he's his story is rich in, in a lot of ways, and we hope to explore that a little bit. But thanks to you going through the proper channels. Oh, my gosh, occasionally that works. You don't have to make end, end runs around the official channel. Sometimes officialdom works, and in this case it did. So we're grateful that we'll have a chance to interview Talanoa after practice today and play that back tomorrow. In the meantime, before we break and come back to open phones, uh, texts, if there's anything you'd like to jump in with with respect to women's hoops, uh, Talanoa, Adley, the Orioles, Melanie Newman, whatever you'd like to jump in with. When I say we're just, okay, let's just assume for a minute there's going to be a 22-22 baseball season. How safe of an assumption in your view, TJ, is that? They're playing. I mean, they've, they've met twice this week, which is... Before this week, they'd only met once total. 
So there, there's, there's progress. They're, they're not gonna, not gonna leave paychecks out on the field. I don't, the owners aren't gonna leave revenue out there, especially once spring training going. I mean, spring training for owners is a money. It, it, it just flows in. It is forty straight days of people buying team gear and yeah. buying tickets to games and flooding your facility and for these towns and supporting the local economy. It, it is great. The people go there to spend money. And that's what they like. And the you know, players want it. Players know they need to play too. And I think, I hope enough of these owners and people negotiating understand what happened in 94 and the fallout from that and what it took to bring everyone back to loving the sport after that. Steroids? The ste- yeah, the steroids. And <laughs> we could talk about that all, all, all day with the, the Hall of right. Fame voting coming out this week as well. But that's that's what it took to get people back and back people watching. And it would just be nonsensical for arguing to yeah. for them to miss games. OK, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think it would be nonsensical. So you're more optimistic now than you were maybe a month ago about the prospects of 2022. This is about how I imagined it would go. I wish okay. they would have started negotiating earlier so we could have more of a proper off season and not like I thought they would, which they are doing waiting till the last minute to cram all the negotiating together. And I'm sure they'll reach a deal maybe a week before spring training okay. is supposed to start. I'm which glad to is... hear it. Pretty soon. Less than Pitchers and catchers report. It's got to be I coming believe up. It's and, the day after the Beavers start. Yeah, like February surprise. 19th. Yeah, just about. Let's take a break, uh, TJ. Thank you for being here. John continues to work to try to correct some of the ongoing problems and uh, hoping to get uh, Jim Rome and, and other satellite issues con- uh, taken care of. In the meantime, any thoughts on any of these matters? 497 5356 on the Downward Dog phone line, the University Honda text line. Four nine seven five three five six. Dave, did I read you right? You were first up yesterday, or was that two days ago now? On Mad Dog, ranting about Aaron Rodgers and other matters. Is that correct? Whatever the case, uh, thank you. No, just know that we're making a sincere effort, uh, a blundering one perhaps yesterday, in the first step towards talking to Melanie. But judging by the spirit of her kind boyfriend Andrew writing me back last night to say, hey, this is what's going on. I sense that we'll probably at some point be able to make contact with her. But in the meantime, we'd love to make contact with you. Downward Dog phone line, University Honda text line. Thanks for joining us on 1240 Joe Radio. Have you been putting off that home remodeling project? If one of your New Year's resolutions is to get it done, Corvallis Floor Covering can help. They invite you to stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, laminate, tile, wood flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands. The staff at Corvallis Floor Covering thanks you for your continued support over the last 34 years and looks forward to working with you in 2022. For more information, log on to Corvallis Floor Covering. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering, corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown. And go be Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. 
Middleton Heating has kept Mid-Valley residents comfortable for over 72 years. Middleton can service, repair, or replace all types of brands of heating and cooling equipment. Plus, they offer financing options on new equipment and also participate in state and federal incentive programs. If your heating unit is giving you trouble, if you have kitchen or dryer venting needs, or if you're just looking for some sheet metal, call Middleton Heating today. You can count on Middleton Heating for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Find them online at middletonheating.net. Independent Auto Works has been servicing and repairing Volkswagens for over 50 years. They're experts on Jettas, Passats, Nuno Beetles, Golfs, PDIs, Eurovans, and Vanagans. And they work on most other makes and models, too. They're on 13th Street near the OSU campus in Corvallis. Independent Auto Works, the guys you can trust. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. If you are a veteran and live in Lynn County, there are benefits and services available to you at Lynn County Veterans Services. You've earned them. Use them. Call 541-926-3882 and take advantage of what you've earned. Home loans, disability compensation, health care, transportation, and more. Lynn County Veterans Services is here to help you. If you are a veteran and live in Lynn County, call 541-926-3882 and thank you for serving your country. Lynn County Veterans Services, serving our local veterans. If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management. 1240 Joe Radio. Now, should I be concerned about ongoing issues? <laughs> oh, that was just, that, that happens. Okay. The computer just thinking of too many things at once while it's going through Scott's commercial. As we come back. It does get overloaded, doesn't it? Sometimes. There's a, there's a lot of, that computer works very hard. I like, what? What company is being advertised? I like it. With the robot trying to prove that he's not a robot. You know what I'm talking about? Ah, oh, come on, he says. <sighs> I can't. I don't even know the product. I just know it's an amusing ad. On TV? Yeah. There's a robot trying to, are you a robot, trying to answer a, are you a robot question. And mm. the robot is asked a question. Ah, oh, come on, the robot says, because it's, he can't it's answer. It's escaping my mind. It, it's good. I like it. Again, though, how good of an ad is it if I'm sitting here saying that to you, but I don't know what in the heck is being advertised. And it, it, maybe it's because I, – I, maybe I just haven't seen that commercial okay. a lot. I watch a lot on my computer. Maybe they don't Ooh. show it on the stream or whatever on ESPN mm -hmm. or Xfinity. Or yeah, I'm, it I feels or, like I've, I see it everywhere on any sporting event. I mm -hmm. so it's, it's good. Somebody, I'm sure, knows at this very moment. 497-5356 if you'd like to join us. We'll play the Jacob Melton interview probably shortly after the top of the hour. Elise Woodward at 1230. Picard says we're really missing our starting center, referring to the women's basketball team and Taylor Jones. And yes, no doubt of that. And how long they're going to have to go without her, maybe you know, longer than expected. Who knows? No official word has come from the Beaver women's basketball camp. But yes, that certainly is a big miss. 
If you'd like to join us, 497-5356. Dave from Tumwater. Dave, I hope you appreciated my long-winded explanation about why we may not have Melanie for a while, but more important, you appreciate where she is in her space right now. That was very surprising news to me, but we do. We're making an effort in that direction, so thank you for that. Story, Mike. You know, you never know when you're going to stumble either into an unfortunate circumstance mm-hmm. uh, or an unfortunate one, uh, as the case may be. But I'm glad my hunch that Jessica Mendoza would would prove to be the vital link because I think mm-hmm. uh, they 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 broadcast. Together. I mean, I think they did the first all woman broadcast team of a major league game, and. Uh, uh, at some point or not. I'm, not, I'm not even sure it was an Orioles game, but I remember seeing that at some point. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a tough break. Um, but I'm glad. But you've but you've got your foothold, uh, and so I, I, I'm optimistic, and I look forward to that interview. My main reason for calling, though, Mike, and I can regale you with. Oh, I think that's a Geico ad with Rob Ott, by the way. I think you're right. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, Rob Ott. Uh, Mel, Mel yeah, long lost grandson uh, robot. Yeah, Rob Ott. There you go. But that's yeah. It sounds it, like that's in Geico's wheelhouse. Yes, yes. And, and isn't it interesting, Mike? As a media maven such as you are, and I'm a big consumer of media, although mostly of the oral kind. A you are. Mm-hmm. Although I watch a good share of, of video as well. How these advertisements kind of in, get deeply ingrained in our subconscious. <laughs> Like how 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 you were very kind, both you and John, to patiently put up with my bicarbonate of soda bit <laughs> for, <laughs> for a week. But this morning, for whatever reason, Mike, I, I don't know how to explain this. I I was I, I kept reminiscing about Dennis Hopper's Nike ad, horseshoes and hand grenades. <laughs> 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 I do. I liked. I liked it. Now they got they Nike. They they got in a little bit of trouble because, and and I don't know if they pulled the campaign prematurely because of it. But there, the trouble that I remember, the controversy around those Hopper ads was something to the effect of this is mocking mental health and people that have mental health issues. The the Dennis Hopper. I mean, I laugh now, and I don't. I would never mock such a thing. You know that, but. Yeah. But I felt as though those ads were funny, and I remember the, the the phrase that he, you know, he was talking about nervously something at the end of the ad. What what's going to happen? Bad things, man. Bad things, man. <laughs> something to that effect. And I remember laughing every time I saw it. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Th- those those were classic. And I was asking, and actually, I was never in the service, and I was asking someone at exercise this morning. I said. You know, explain, because, again, it, it had popped into my mind. And this guy was a colonel, and he is a retired colonel. And I said, explain the origin of that to him. He says, well, uh, horseshoes and hangry, you just need to get close in horseshoes <laughs> and hangry. And I said, okay, I, I, I get it now. Right. So, uh, uh, anyway, but my main reason for calling John's not up on the roof of the station, is he? I hope not. No, I don't believe he's on the roof with James Taylor. TJ, where is he? Back in Probably that back just on room? The phone. Yeah, in the back room on the phone. Okay. I mean, there's a there's a whole. It, the, the, our back room does look a little bit like the set of Doctor Strange Love, 
with uh, some of the, <laughs> the computers and things going on. And, you know, he's back there. He can see the board. He can, he can see the big board. He's looking at the big board right now trying to fix it. Well, here's, here's my point in calling, Mike, and I, I know you and TJ must agree with me. Uh, 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 getting on for two hours with you midday is merely the tip of the iceberg of John's responsibilities there yep. to keep the station running, to keep the show on the air, up to and including getting up on the roof. <laughs> and I know John gets a lot of grief from people, uh, you know, uh, uh, that, you know, Something or other is wrong, and he's and he's vocalized that on the air. I mean, a couple times, Mike, I thought dangerously getting close to just kind of okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> but he, but he, but he, but he keeps he keeps rolling up his sleeves. Yep, and yep. he's not he, he can't hear this, but I hope he hears about it. I just appreciate everything he does for the station, keep the show on the air, his tutoring of young guys, yep, like Josh and TJ there. Anyway, this is just my uh, mm-hmm. uh, my my testimonial to John. Although I did make it, I, if you want, I, I did finally get on the Mad Dog show yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I I I, I, I refer Mad Dog thought I I'd gone over the top when I said <laughs> Rogers in the postseasons no better than uh, Ryan Tannehill, which was probably a little too snarky. <laughs> And not, and he actually is better than Tannehill. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I was finally able to make it on, and uh, so th- that closes out that chapter. Uh, I, I was thinking, Bad Dog thinks Rogers is coming back to Green Bay. All the talk today is that he's not. I'm just getting I'm just getting tired of the histrionics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, as Ben Roethlisberger retired, and I was listening to his resume, the number two came up, two Super Bowl wins, and, and I think you would would you feel differently about Aaron had he more had he had more than just the singleton? Absolutely, okay. Mike. And in fact, this is a point I made on Mad Dog uh, a year ago, uh, uh, and uh, and he's kind of picked up. On, I'm not not that there were not, not that this wasn't an insight that wasn't easily gleaned and ascertainable. But you, uh, uh, you, with Favre and Rodgers, you've had 29 consecutive years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Now, however effective or relatively ineffective Rodgers on balance is in the postseason, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. But the point I made to Mad Dog, maybe I said on your show earlier in the week, and I do practice my my <laughs> national appearances. Right. I actually shouldn't say that. That's but all right. I, I like appearing to both. Mike, no one has had a career reputation take such a hit in so short a time as Rodgers did in the 28 hours from the beginning of the game against San Francisco Saturday night to the conclusion of the mm-hmm. Bills-Chiefs game on Sunday night because you saw four quarterbacks on Sunday routinely make plays that Rodgers seemed literally incapable of effectuating on his home field in the snow in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so, anyway, uh, it, I, I'm not in favor of trading him. At one point, I thought maybe they should. The thing about Rodgers, Mike, and this actually gets back to another theme of longstanding duration in our conversations, it is enjoyable as a fan of a particular program, be it Oregon State football, Green Bay football. It's always fun 
and you take it for granted, but it's fun being always a part of the conversation. When Rodgers is your quarterback, you're going to be part of the conversation. Right. Uh, and, right. uh, but you're probably not going to win any titles. If, if Rodgers had won titles, if Rodgers and Favre had won titles proportionate to, say, Montana and Young, oh, yeah. given the duration, they'd have seven or eight of them now. Mm-hmm. And they only have two. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Okay. Dave, thank you. And thanks again for the, your whole line of thinking with Jessica and Melanie. By the way, before we go, I've, re- I've in preparing to visit with her, which I thought was forthcoming, and it will be, but a number of articles about her and talk is her story. We talk about stories. It's a great story. Is she good? I, I hate to put it so so bluntly, but do you like no. her? Do you yeah. like her on the air? Yeah, she's okay. she's very good. Okay. She has a great on the air manner. She has good rapport with whoever her sidekick is, and it changes rapid. I mm-hmm. mean, it's sort of it's actually sort of like the manners always mixing up. Some day they're on TV, some sometime they're on radio. She's not on every home broadcast. And that's all I hear because with my package, I don't hear the Orioles when they're on the road. But she's very good. She has good repair uh, rapport with mm-hmm. whomever she's teamed up with. Uh, knows the game, and I know Mike. And this is to your credit. You have uh, probably because you're the father of two daughters, but you've always it's clear you have always enjoyed and tried to encourage women's breakthrough in the field of sports broadcasting. Melanie's a pioneer in her own right. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a a, a memorable interview. Maybe not up there with Johns and Pat Casey, (laughs) but it'll be a memorable interview when you finally get it put together. We look forward to it, Dave, and thanks as always. Good to hear from you, sir. Have a good time with Mad Dog later. Thanks for joining us today on the Joe Beaver Show. Thank you. Let's take our final break this hour. Coming up next hour, a conversation that I enjoyed with uh, Jacob Melton a couple of days ago on Baseball Media Day. That'll be after the top of the hour break. And Elise Woodward coming up at 1230 to kind of shift into uh, the basketball world and her observations about the Oregon State women's team and what she saw in the win over Washington. Did she watch the live stream yesterday? I don't know, but a great eye for the game, a tremendous talent in her own right playing at Washington. Elise will join us at 1230. A break now, back with more with TJ after this on 1240 Joe Radio. If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go be. Independent Auto Works has been servicing and repairing Volkswagens for over 50 years. They're experts on Jettas, Passats, Nuno Beetles, Golfs, PDIs, Eurovans, and Vanagans. And they work on most other makes and models, too. They're on 13th Street near the OSU campus in Corvallis. Independent Auto Works, the guys you can trust. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. Master the mealtime rush with a refrigerator that helps you cut down on clutter. The Whirlpool four-door refrigerator keeps groceries inside and easy to find. From easy-reach shelves to a flexible ice bin, see how the four sleek compartments help keep ingredients organized so that you can get dinner on the table. 
Visit Kellenberger Appliance to learn more. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street, Lebanon, serving all our appliance needs since 1918. Visit Kellenberger Appliance today. Have you been putting off that home remodeling project? If one of your New Year's resolutions is to get it done, Corvallis Floor Covering can help. They invite you to stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, laminate, tile, wood flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands. The staff at Corvallis Floor Covering thanks you for your continued support over the last 34 years and looks forward to working with you in 2022. For more information, log on to Corvallis Floor Covering. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, and go be Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. Middleton Heating has kept Mid-Valley residents comfortable for over 72 years. Middleton can service, repair, or replace all types of brands of heating and cooling equipment. Plus, they offer financing options on new equipment and also participate in state and federal incentive programs. If your heating unit is giving you trouble, if you have kitchen or dryer venting needs, or if you're just looking for some sheet metal, Call Middleton Heating today. You can count on Middleton Heating for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Find them online at middletonheating.net. 1240 Joe Radio. Mike Parker with TJ Matthewson. Is John Warren hard at work in trying to correct some of the behind-the-scenes problems with satellite issues and elsewhere that you certainly have been hearing if you've been trying to tune in for Rome or other programming? It's It's been problematic and there are a lot of people at work. I went uh, outside during that break and went down the hall and just, I see a lot of bodies milling around. I don't know who is um, doing what, but I, I could hear John's voice and know that uh, that uh, he and many others are hard at work to try to correct those problems. We're going to go to Paul on the Downward Dog phone line, but I have a question as to the other thing on that piece of paper a radio station for which I once worked many years ago. Why is that written down on that piece well, of paper? I don't know. Do that's a know? John question. Oh, so that's John's writing, eh? I guess so. I mean, okay, interesting. A I, station I down I in, wrote that down. In Coos Bay. Let's go to uh, Paul on the Downward Dog phone line. Hey, Paul. Hey, Mike. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to comment on how tough it must be for this women's basketball team to kind of keep any continuity going you don't know when you're going to play a game, mm-hmm. and then you got no games for two weeks, and then it's yeah, you know somebody goes down like Taylor Jones. I mean, it's 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 got to be like a nightmare trying to keep these yep, you know, trying to keep your team together. No doubt, and that's a that's certainly something we'll talk with Elise about next hour. <clears throat> but other than that, yeah, it, you know, it's it was surprising yesterday to see Noel Mannion uh, playing so much time. Are, are they? Are there other team members that are out with COVID or something? I don't know the whole story. I <clears throat> didn't hear. I I don't think so necessarily. Uh, not that I'm aware of anyway. So she just uh, she's she's created a role for herself and and has done a nice job. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. She's probably one of the best three point shooters. So I think they just got to get her to take more shots, maybe. 
That could be. Uh, I was on a podcast, and, and I hope to have them on to talk about the podcast that they do. There's a couple of guys uh, who do a podcast about Oregon State men's basketball. It's called The Peyton Years. You can find it uh, and listen to it. I was a guest on it. And I found myself, Paul, invoking Al McGuire when they asked me my thoughts about Deshaun Davis. And if you remember in the the wonderful broadcast back in the days of uh, Billy Packer, Al McGuire, and Dick Enberg, that was a tremendous trio of broadcasters doing uh, NCAA basketball. And I think of them in the tournament, but the games of the week and so on on CBS. Al McGuire would get... uh, exercised when he would see players pass up shots. Do you remember that? And he would just say on the air, shoot the ball, son, shoot the ball, son. Do you remember that, Paul? (laughs) I do remember that. Yeah. And and I feel that way about Deshaun Davis. Quite honestly, there are times when he turns the corner and gets to the rim. Oh, this is going to be good. And then he'll find an open man for a drop off or somebody in the corner he has great vision. He's a pass-first guard, which is a good thing, a true point guard. But there are times that I want to go Al McGuire with him because I feel like you know, he's open enough, he can create his own shot, he's hot enough, he can finish pretty well at the rim, that there are times when I see him turn the corner that I just want to, hey, shoot the ball, son, take it yourself. But he's always looking to, to involve others. And there are some players... Even in this age, that you kind of you do have to prod sometimes into shooting more, and maybe Noel's one of them. I'm not sure. Right, right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Paul. Good to talk to you. We are wrapping up this first hour. Haven't seen enough of the women's games in person or on on television or streams or so on to have a real feel. That's part of the reason that wanted to get Elise Woodward on. I did watch most of the Sunday game at Washington with Elise on the call. Lindsay Schnell, I believe, is going to join us tomorrow to. She's been a big-time fan and covered Scott Ruick's national championship team at George Fox and knows the program well, follows it closely. I think we're going to have Lindsay on tomorrow. Coming up next hour, my conversation with Jacob Melton from a couple of days ago and Elise Woodward. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541 558-8245. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, with another golf minute to help with those first tee jitters. Unless you're an alien from another planet, 
Every golfer I know, including the golf guru, experiences some anxiety when stepping onto the first tee. Depending on how you hit your first tee shot often sets the tone for the entire round. Here are a couple of things you can do to help assure a good tee shot. First, you have to lighten up and think that it's only one of 18 tee shots that you'll be making. Have a game plan and stick to it. If you saw your opponent, for example, hit a great tee shot, don't think about trying to outdo him or her. Play your own game. Concentrate and zero in on your intended target and the type of shot you want to play, and then simply visualize your ball landing in the fairway where you want. So remember, to combat any jitters or anxiety on that opening tee shot, make sure you have a game plan and stick to it. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. Nerds! Dreaming of a change of pace? Let NerdWallet help you compare your way from here to there. Compare investing accounts to expand your portfolio and your horizons. Then, use NerdWallet to compare mortgage rates for a home with peace and quiet built in. Huh. Compare your way there. Find the smartest financial products for you on NerdWallet. NerdWallet Compare, Inc., NMLS 1617539. NerdWallet is not an investment advisor nor an investment broker. Information is for educational purposes only. Yes, Ms. Tops. Uh, no problem. I'll call someone about the plumbing. One of Beatrice's properties needs a new superintendent. Someone with handyman superpowers and a concierge alter ego. Does anyone know any good electricians near Parkville? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Bloomberg Business of Sports Report. I'm Michael Barr. The team colors are gold and red, but San Francisco 49ers fans were just seeing red, saying the Los Angeles Rams were playing dirty by preventing them from buying tickets to Sunday's NFC Championship game at SoFi. When 49ers fans tried to buy tickets to the game, they were greeted with a message that only L.A. residents could buy tickets. Well, that put the wink and winky dink for the 49ers faithful. After they went Debo on the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams lifted the rule. However, the Rams say all available tickets were bought during a pre-sale, and they can't control the secondary market. Rams wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. said in November he would be converting his 2021 salary $750,000 into Bitcoin. The problem for Beckham, Bitcoin prices have been plummeting. Today, his salary is now worth more than $400,000, and he still has to pay taxes on the $750,000 value. And that's a Bloomberg Business of Sports report. I'm Michael Barr. Hey, Carrie, we need that tax report by tomorrow. Hey, uh, Bobby, give me that expenses. For Hari's accounting firm, client growth is exponential. We're a couple of accountants short. He needs whip smart accountants at whiplash speed. Hey, uh, so why aren't these receivables matching up? Indeed can help him hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. And now an important message from Exergen. A critical new FDA study proves that non-contact thermometers are not accurate. They also have inaccurate information on their labels regarding accuracy. New COVID strains are on the rise, and non-contact manufacturers are being irresponsible. At a time when accuracy matters, accurate temperature measurements are essential. Switch to Exergen because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure, be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com.
Trevor Show is on the air. Try to remember. As we try to recall how things used to be, the Beavers have recovered a fumble on a flea flicker attempt. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. We seek to come to grips with the current state of affairs. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Strange days indeed. Strange days indeed. All the while believing things could be better than they were today. As we wait, we invite you to join us for another run of the Joe Beaver Show, where our hearts always remain hopeful. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. And now, here come John and Mike on the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Dominic Cusimano would probably disagree. I'm going to get to an email from Dominic that he was kind enough to send about a conversation we have off and on on the Joe Beaver show with respect to the Pac-12 Conference of Champions own Bill Walton here in a second. But I consider what we just heard the lead-in to be the Beatles' magnum opus, their great work, their greatest song. Here Comes the Sun is my all-time favorite Beatles song and thus is in my top four or five favorite songs ever. DJ, you're a young man. That's not your fault. I, I, I... I, a variation on a theme by Cat Stevens. You're young, you can't help it. Do you know the Beatles' body of work at all? I yes, I do. I, okay. I realize how big of a deal they they used to be. Okay. It is, it's pretty crazy. Do you like them? to think about that? Yeah, I mean, okay. it's it's good music. Not my personal music right. preference, but someone's going to play the Beatles. I'm not going to complain. That's a phenomenal. Here comes the sun. Sun is a great song. Yeah, and it almost renders George my favorite because he wrote it. Anyway, Dominic, thank you for the. The text, which I found fascinating. Are you a subscriber, by the way, Dominic? If you want to call now, Dominic, to talk about the Diamond Dinner, how excited you are. If you're listening, Dominic, feel free to call. This is a all-request radio, and we're making the request to listeners. We asked for Dave to call. Paul's called. Dominic, we miss out on you. Dominic sends me last night. Uh, he said, in light of your recent conversations about Bill Walton, thought you might be interested in this from the golf digest i just found it, it does the golf digest have you ever read by the way the golf digest no, do you golf no, i do not i'm nor do i golfing. i'm a good mini golfer though okay good it's good to know it's an important skill to have i i used to golf a little well i golf for like a couple of summers in my life that's it i've never really read the golf digest but i'm wondering now if i should because dominic sends me an article in the golf digest Headlined, Bill Walton infuriates Jayhawk Nation is still a comedic genius. And the article in the Golf Digest begins thusly. Ever notice how there aren't really comic duos anymore? At least in the traditional sense, from Abbott and Costello to Nichols and May. The American comedy tradition is rich with these partnerships, but at some point it just sort of stopped, with one exception. <laughs> The writer here, Shane Ryan, who knows of Nichols and May, that's pretty good. He doesn't invoke Laurel and Hardy, but anyway, he. The last remaining two man act in the world of comedy, and also coincidentally the best, 
is still going harder than ever. That duo, Dave Pash and Bill Walton. <laughs> so the article goes on from there and gives examples of the of the humor and, and the relationship the two have on the air. And it's it's a good article. But I'm just wondering, Dominic, how that came into your your world. If you are a subscriber to Golf Digest, how in the world you come even come across an article like that and how the Golf Digest is taking on the broadcast team of Dave Pash and Bill Walton. Just that was surprising in its own right. I mentioned the conversation on Baseball Media Day that I had with Jacob Melton. And TJ has queued it up. We're going to play it from the point that I asked him a question that I said to Jacob. I've been asked this more often, I think, than almost any other question with respect to Beaver baseball. Going back even to the end of last spring, is Jacob Melton okay? Is he going to play again? Is he going to play in the regional? To throughout the summer, how's Jacob Melton doing? We've had some texts along those lines on the University Honda text line. I, I believe that stories have been written locally about his status. So none of this will be terribly surprising if you've been following the media day stories about Jacob Melton. But I said to Jacob, the inquiries have been coming steadily uh, since you went out in the UC Irvine series last spring with a shoulder issue and problem. He's had surgery since. And I asked him where he is in his recovery, but just asked, I just asked him the question point blank, and then the interview will proceed from there. Then later we'll get to with Elise Woodward. John continues to work behind the scenes on solving issues with both Clue and 1240 Joe Radio. So uh, we'll get through the hour together, TJ and I will, and appreciate you joining us. So I just asked Jacob, how is that to right shoulder that everybody's been asking about? For sure. So it's definitely been a long road through the summer, kind of post-surgery. But uh, as of now, we're feeling good, and it's looking like we're going to be, be 100% for the start of the season. That's great to hear. You were on a roll, hitting so well. Did you did you have some nagging pain, or did suddenly one day, I mean, you know, you hit a home run at UC Irvine, and the next day I don't, you were in the lineup and scratched. What happened exactly? Yeah, so I was dealing with quite a bit of stuff through the majority of the season, had a couple of flare-ups, missed the the pack opener against Wazoo um, in March, and then just worked through some stuff for for the season. And then that UCI uh, series, uh, picked a ball over at first base in the Saturday game and kind of had a flare-up with that. Um, and that's kind of what ultimately ended up shutting the season down for me. Um, had some numbness and tingling that was persistent after, after I'd hit, so something we tried to work through but just never really got back to where I was comfortable getting back in the lineup so it's kind of why I got the surgery when I did you held off on the surgery a little bit hoping to maybe come back you saw your guys and I'll just say it I mean you saw after you left the lineup you left a pretty big hole in the sense of all your production and all of the things you do and yet how proud were you of how they persevered and got uh, you know six outs away essentially from a super regional yeah, for sure. Um, after after my season was done, it was it was nice to see the guys still go out and compete and uh, be competitive every day. Um, There's a lot of big pieces that stepped up. Some new guys in the lineup, Boydo and and Dernetti, uh made a splash, especially in the regional. And uh, Wade Meckler also also got the opportunity to kind of step up and be our leadoff guy for the remainder of the season. It was nice to see him have success as well. Jacob, you were having a big year. Tell me about how you were feeling. The three home run game is unforgettable. 
Uh, haven't seen many of those in Oregon State history. You were locked in there for a pretty good stretch with all things going well, even if you weren't 100% physically, but how were you feeling before you had to leave the lineup? Right. So yeah, uh, last season there was, there was a lot of changes I made going from the, from the fall into the spring and, um, just put in a lot of work in the cages and stuff. And that gave me a lot of confidence to go out and perform and not really worry too much about everything else. Um, last season for me, it was a lot of just being able to be confident and go out every day with, with, trust in what I was doing and, and belief in what I was doing. So I feel like that was a really big part that I took into every game is just believing in what I was doing and, and knowing that I was on the right path. So um, I think that's a lot of what propelled me to have a, have a good season last year. Oregon State outfielder, first baseman Jacob Melton, our guest here on the Joe Beaver Show. Jacob, when you talk about made adjustments from the fall into the spring, were they little tweaks? Was it a major overhaul or adjustment or what? Yeah, so it was a it was a pretty big revamp of the swing. Um, kind of coming in from the the bad 2020 season that I'd had that was cut short from from COVID. Um, kind of did some reflection and, and realized that I wasn't where I needed to be to to perform and play um, at the D1 level. So uh, moving into the fall, we just kind of kind of scrapped everything I was doing and completely revamped the swing. And I think a lot of that work and that time that we spent up in the cages was was something that allowed me to have success last year. Your coach, Mitch Canham, has said that uh, you and Meckler, quote, live in the cage, unquote. Is that about right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's not far from the truth. Um, there's a lot of days where we're up there for, for a couple hours and um, just something kind of both of us enjoy. It's kind of just a, a release and a step away from, from everyday life. So I know both of us enjoy it for, for the same reasons there. Jacob, what about the year you spent at, uh, at NPD's program at Lynn Benton in terms of the value that it provided for you? For sure, yeah, that was it was a big step for me, um, kind of moving out of high school baseball in Oregon. I, I don't think I would have been ready to, to move straight into D1 baseball. Um, so that year at Lynn Benton for me was, was a great stepping stone, and to be able to play under Andy Peterson, who'd played at Oregon State, kind of, just showed me the ropes and and showed all of us what it was going to be like and what we needed to expect kind of moving into the next level of college baseball. Jacob, your own head coach, Mitch Canham, said when you underwent surgery, he said, well, I know what it's like. I had 15 of those, <laughs> 15 surgeries in his career. Can you even imagine that after having been through this one and all that you have to go through the rehab involved? 15 of those doesn't sound easy. No, that, that does not sound like a good time at all. I mean, the one with the one for me was definitely definitely a big step. Um, it's the first time I missed any significant time in my career. So, um, props to him for being able to fight through all that. But uh, yeah, one I think is is all I want to want to stick to. How was the process, Jacob? The whole thing from start. You're not quite finished because you know you'll feel that I'm sure when you take the field down in surprise, but. What about the process itself, the rehab, the workouts, all of that? How difficult or grueling have they been? Right. Uh, over the summer, it was definitely tough. Uh, moved really slow, and, and we had to take our time. Um, it was definitely exciting to step back in in the fall and be around the guys. Definitely a little extra motivation to, to go in every day and do your PT and rehab and all that. And just made the lifts and practice more exciting for me when I was able to return. Last couple of things with Jacob Melton. 
Growing up in Southern Oregon, were you a beaver fan? Were you aware of the beavers? Did you follow them? Did you think about donning the orange and black someday yourself? Uh, for sure. So that was something I definitely thought about kind of growing up and, and moving through high school, playing baseball down in Southern Oregon. Um, my main interest in the school was for my degree, actually, it wasn't really um, to, to play baseball here at the beginning. Obviously, that opportunity arose and, and I took it. But uh, my main goal to come to Oregon State was to be able to fulfill my fish and wildlife degree. And how's that going? Are you enjoying it? I mean, you looked at it, felt that was the right fit for you academically. How's that part of it coming along for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the academic side of the school is awesome. Um, definitely appreciative of being able to, to fulfill a degree that I wanted to do and not have to kind of work around it and take classes I don't really want to take. So definitely appreciative of, of being able to learn about what I want to. Um, yeah, it's been a great experience here and I'm moving into my last couple terms. So definitely excited to, to finish up the degree. What we believe will be a long and prosperous baseball career for you is still ahead. But after baseball, in terms of the degree and all of that, what do you kind of, how do you kind of see your, your life playing out in, in terms of baseball and beyond? All right, so I would definitely like to play baseball as long as I can, but there's always going to be a day for everybody where we don't get to play anymore. So uh, after baseball, I'm looking to work with uh, salmon conservation and, and something along those lines. Um, always enjoyed hunting and fishing and kind of growing up in Southern Oregon, I've seen how the salmon runs and stuff like that have started to, to disappear. So I want to be kind of a voice for them and, and be able to turn that around. And the last thing. That's way down the road when you get to all of that full time. You have a heart for it now, I get that. But 2022 is upon us. What kind of year do you get, think you guys might be looking at in terms of what you see back, the talent, the pitching, the arms, the defense, offensively, et cetera? Right. Uh, I'm super excited for this year. I think we have a, a great group of guys. We mesh well. This is a really tight-knit team, and I think uh, – I think we have high hopes for, for ourselves, and I think we're going to come out and, and take it one game at a time and not not get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, I think our goal for, for this year is to come out and play every game with with intent and just be able to do, do what we can and control what we can control, and I think we'll have a pretty good season. Jake, I'm so glad to see you healthy and back again. We missed you down the stretch last year. It'll be fun to watch you, we hope, throughout an entire full season for the first time in a while for you. Thanks for taking time, Jacob. For sure. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Jacob Melton. You know, the team that it's interesting that this team, this group, is not shying away from talking of Omaha. It's almost an Omaha bus type mentality that they're evincing before the first pitch of the 2022 season. Have you caught that same vibe, TJ, and what do you make of it? I, I'm always a little bit more of a, well, let's just go win that opener and then man, take it from there. How do you feel about teams framing their season? We, we, we believe we have the talent to get there. Is it? How do you feel about that? I think it's okay to set your expectations high, especially for a program that's been as successful in the, in the super regional area. And you think about it. I mean, just last year, a lot of the same group. <laughs> one essentially one swing from a super regional and then at that case that leaves up a three game series if you're going to go to Omaha right so you you know you can do it there I don't know where they would have been uh who they would have played in that regional uh, I'm not sure but or super regional that that you know the opportunity especially when the opportunity was there last year and much of the same group is back and wanting to do more it's you know 
Yes, sure. it, absolutely. You should set your expectations high, and especially when you know you can do it and you have one. Well put. And I, I, this group strikes me. It's different in terms of the day-to-day following. And, and last year, we didn't have that opportunity, calling most of the games remotely. The only road trip that I took was to the regional in Fort Worth. That's the only time I saw the team in person on the road and tried to call games off of monitors. Otherwise, Josh will be down in surprise calling those early games. And then the early games, as I continue to work with the men's basketball team, Josh Warden will have the call uh, for those early ones. He'll do a great job, and we look forward to hearing him. But in that sense, John last year, and uh, had, he too was working from a remote standpoint It'll be a, an advantage for Josh to be able to get down and see the team on a day-to-day basis. So when I say what I'm about to say and making a comparison to 2012, it's not quite the same because I wasn't around last year's team nearly as much as I was the 2012 group. But I do remember the profound sense of pain, of disappointment, guys down in the clubhouse having a hard time you know, peeling the uniform off and getting ready to get on a bus, go back to the hotel, and fly home from the Baton Rouge Regional in 12. But Michael Conforto and and other people who had been a part of that team were all just, we're not going to be in this position next year, the position being in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and one of the toughest venues in America to play anywhere in a regional, and they came up just short. We're going to... We're going to come back with great talent and focus to host and be one of the teams that can host a regional and super regional. And it was almost an Omaha bust mentality. And they got to Omaha in 13, winning the Pac-10, the Pac-12 championship back-to-back, the first of back-to-back years to do it in 13 and 14. So I think that last year, the the pain in Fort Worth, letting that last game get away so close. I, I do think that just uh, that feeling is, has motivated the team from that day on to be at a point where with the depth and the talent that they have offensively, solid defense, they're going to miss Army as a rock-solid guy every day at shortstop and Andy Armstrong. But I think the pitching depth is tremendous. I think the offense is going to be more potent than a year ago. A healthy Jacob Melton will go a long way in that respect. I'm looking forward to big things this year. Out with Andy Armstrong, but in with Travis Pizzana, who, I mean, at this point, the way people talk about it and hearing um, Jerpy already say, yeah, he's one of the toughest guys to face at the plate already. Yes. No, I, He just I, stepped on the campus six months ago. That's a left-on-left situation, and he's a, he's not the, the shortstop. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know whether Mitch talked about, you know, who will be the starting everyday shortstop. Travis played second base for the – Champion Corvallis Knights, and it was a pleasure to watch him swing and play day by day. Solid second baseman. I don't, I'm not sure if the skills translate over to shortstop quite as much of the arm from the hole and all of that. So I don't, did Mitch address the shortstop position? Did uh, you hear any of that? Off the top of no? my head, no. I okay. think he might have, but off the top of my head, no. Let's take a break. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll break now, come back for a brief segment, and then visit with Elise Woodward of the Pac-12 Networks, and her thoughts about the Oregon State women's basketball team that she saw in person in Seattle on Sunday. The team in a very tough and challenging stretch had to leave Tuesday then for Pullman to finish the Washington road trip and had a tough time of it yesterday. I don't think that's indicative of all that's ahead, but we'll get Elisa's perspective. 
on what she saw from the Beavers and perhaps other ruminations on the Pac-12. More coming up here in a few minutes. Mike Parker with T.J. Mathewson with John Warren working diligently behind the scenes to try to fix a few of the things that have been ailing the stations. He told me during the last break, we're getting there. So keep it going, John. We break and come back on 1240 Joe Radio. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid-Valley. Trump says the area's largest selection of radio-controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that the one you care about is expecting a thoughtful gift this Valentine's Day, and they're ready to help safely deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Valentine's Day flower arrangements, and they'll safely deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time so you can show them just how special you'd like them to feel this February 14th. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of holiday arrangements online at Stargazer. PremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Flores, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. Have you been putting off that home remodeling project? If one of your New Year's resolutions is to get it done, Corvallis Floor Covering can help. They invite you to stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, laminate, tile, wood flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands. The staff at Corvallis Floor Covering thanks you for your continued support over the last 34 years and looks forward to working with you in 2022. For more information, log on to Corvallis Floor Covering. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. Corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown. And go Beeves! Master the mealtime rush with a refrigerator that helps you cut down on clutter. The Whirlpool 4-door refrigerator keeps groceries in sight and easy to find. From easy-reach shelves to a flexible ice bin, see how the four sleek compartments help keep ingredients organized so that you can get dinner on the table. Visit Kellenberger Appliance to learn more. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street, Lebanon. Serving all our appliance needs since 1918. Visit Kellenberger Appliance today. Showers or baths, which do you prefer? Hi, this is Katie with Albans Plumbing. You deserve a bathroom that fits you, whether that be a walk-in shower or a luxurious soaker tub. Let Albans Plumbing handle your bathroom remodel from beginning to end. Then all you have to do is turn on the water and relax. At Albans Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albans Plumbing. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. Hi, this is Oregon State football alum and owner of Angry Beaver Grill, Randy Holmes. Come try our updated menu with new items such as the prime rib Philly cheesesteak, and don't miss our prime rib and salmon dinners on Friday. Every Wednesday, starting at 5 o'clock, try our $7 all-you-can-eat spaghetti dinner with garlic bread and salad. Angry Beaver also offers catering for groups large and small. Give me a call to schedule your holiday gathering, wedding, reunion, or any special occasion. Support local at Angry Beaver Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. 
Here at locally owned and operated Alirica Networks, we use the same service you do, so you can be rest assured that you're getting the very best internet service, whether for home, business, or enterprise. At Alirica, we make sure that each of our valued customers gets the plan that best fits their needs. So whether you require basic service or faster speeds for gaming or HD video streaming, we will make sure to match you with the plan that works best for your home or business. Alirica Networks always goes the extra mile. Give us a call or find out more at Alirica.net. The home of the Oregon State Beavers. 1240. Joe Radio. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Struck out on the, well, no, no, I wouldn't say struck out. The count is 0-1. We're going to try to reconnect. Go ahead and try her again. Elise is scheduled to join us. I do know that yesterday we missed connections with Elise under uh, somehow a, a breakdown in communication. And I think she may be calling us right back or she may answer now. We'll see. Cause she just texted me. Would you like me to call that? And, uh, yes, please. So when that rings, it should be Elise Woodward. The next voice you hear, what exactly is that? We got a couple of, thank you, by the way. Jimmy Fallon is going to be hosting a show, and I was grappling to try to figure out. I've seen an ad for it here and there, and here comes Elise on the Downward Dog phone line. That's my jam, or it's my jam, or that's not my jam, it's your jam. Is it a name that tune kind of idea and concept? Is that it? Do you know, have you seen that ad for a new Jimmy Fallon show? Uh, it's I, my jam. Bit. That's my jam. Whose jam is it? It's not my jam. It's your jam. Something to the effect of jam. Not enough that I would watch it. You wouldn't watch it? No. Is it a name that tune concept? though? Do you even know? Somebody no. wrote in and said, Jimmy <laughs> Fallon, name that tune. I, I suggest that I think it is a throwback idea. I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask okay. for that. Well, we got to find somebody who we can ask such questions of, and you being a young man, TJ, from the same area code as our next guest, <laughs> Elise Woodward. Uh, Elise, uh, the person who just made contact with you is a Ballard Beaver, and he's working for us here now, getting embarked on his uh, his career, which will be a very distinguished one as yours has been. But TJ Matthewson was the one who answered the phone. So it's good to have you on with uh, TJ Pinch hitting for John Warren today. And yours truly, Mike Parker, Elise. How are you? And I'm sure you're happy to have a 206 working across the microphone as well. Yeah, there you go, Ballad Beaver. I bet you he knows Michael Johnson then. Uh, probably, what, the all-time leading scorer at Ballard for boys basketball? What's funny enough, Elise, is that what, I mean, funny enough is that one of my friends in high school's name was Michael Johnson. But not he was definitely not the all time leading scorer in basketball. So funny hey, how that works out. Elise, have you stayed yeah. since you left North Eugene High School and went to work and went to school at Washington and played for the Huskies? Have you stayed in that market ever since? Uh, yes, I've um, you know just been. I've lived in this area ever since I left Eugene and. Uh, in the 90s to go up to UW, and I was really lucky. As you know, in this business, a lot of times you have to move around, mm-hmm. but I interned with a lot of different places when I was at UW. They have a really good internship program in the communications department, so I interned at Cairo, which is a CBS affiliate. I interned at the time with Fox Sports Northwest. I uh, interned actually down at uh, the sports 
was a sports video production place. I think it was at KEZI in Eugene. I did that one summer, but no, I've been lucky. I've uh, been based out of Seattle and I've never had to move to, you know, one of the places I grew up in is Medford or like a small little town. I haven't had to do that. So that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. And Elise, were you looking towards, if so, you were ahead of the curve in a sense. We we're going to be connecting soon with Melanie Newman, who's a Baltimore Orioles broadcaster at the age of 31. And we see stories along those lines of young women breaking through and doing such great work in the broadcast world. But you in the early to mid-90s, were you, when you went to Washington, interested in that? Was that something you sort of had as a as a life goal? And if so, you were ahead of a, a lot of people in respect to your gender, I guess is what I'm saying. There wasn't a lot of that going on then. You know, I'm going to be really honest. I had no no goal or thought of doing that when I left to go play basketball at UW. I always wanted to be a coach, and that was my – I coached, actually, um, kids' sports in Eugene. I had a fifth-grade team when I was a senior at North and coached a little girls' team and always did summer camps and did all that. That's what I wanted to do, but I had to major in something at college. You can't major in coaching, although <laughs> they have introduced that um, major in some universities, which I think is great. Yeah. Um, but uh, I got into the broadcasting field and then – really enjoyed it and, you know, made a lot of contacts and had a lot of fun. I just knew I wanted to be involved in sports. And so this has turned into what is a lot of fun. And obviously I have a lot of friends that are coaches and boy, the paycheck is pretty nice, but the stress and the 24 seven and the uh, no work life balance, that's tough. So I'm really happy with the choice that I made and I coached my kids instead. And, uh, you know, that's, that's been good enough for sure. The broadcast world is demanding in its own way, different certainly than that, you know, the major and particularly any coach at any level. I'm sure if you talk to Scott Ruick right now, and I believe we're going to talk to Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Schnell tomorrow, who covered Scott's national championship team at George Fox, knowing Scott Ruick the way we do, he was just as into it and working just as hard and preparing practice plans and studying film at Fox as he is now. That's a tough and demanding uh, profession, no doubt. But with all the things on your plate, at least, too, as a broadcaster through the years, I mean, you take that, I'm sure, with the perfectionist of, a, of an athlete and so on, you've worked pretty hard at trying to juggle a lot of things in that world, too. Uh, there's no question. Um, I always say, because I'm really competitive, and, you know, that's probably why I've had some success, but I I hate losing and I work really hard and to avoid the feeling of losing. And I don't know if I can handle that as a coach all the time, like in the Pac-12 conference, I just, I have so much empathy for these coaches that pour themselves into scouting and film work and recruiting and, and all of that. And then when you don't get wins, ah, it would just, when I'm a broadcaster, I love the game. I love the competition. I love everything about it. And then when the game is over, I get to go have, (laughs) a beverage and relax. Like I'm a winner every day. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say as a coach, you're not, you're changing lives. You're affecting lives. You have people that will have a lifetime of thankfulness for developing you and helping you grow and all of those things like I do for my coaches. And as a broadcaster, you don't really get that. So (laughs) it's way more intense as a coach. It's way more demanding in certain ways. And you know, like, if I was a coach, so tomorrow my son is having senior night for basketball. And I was supposed to be calling the Oregon State game. And I went back and forth, back and forth, because I don't 
take days off. I don't. Mm -hmm. But in the end, I was like, you know, it's, my kid's only going to have one senior night for basketball. And I coached him his whole life. And, and so I just, I'm like, I got to be there. If yes. I was a coach, you, you can't take that day off. You just can't do right. it. So, um, you know, so that's just one instance where being a broadcaster is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no, good for you. And congratulations on that. Is this the son who is going to UW to pitch, to play baseball? Yes. Okay. Yep. So he's he played football in the fall, and he had a blast. That his team made it to the Final Four, and then uh, he's playing hoops, which is, you know, it's right there. He loves it, and he's he's having a great year, and he's going to probably go over 1,000 points on his last wow. game, so I want to be there and, and yeah. just see and just see it and be there and take it all in because after this, the basketball shoes are being hung up, which is very sad for mom. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But you're going to be a big-time baseball fan now. If Not that you haven't been, but that's going to become a, a big thing for you, I'm sure, in terms of, again, without the coaching, you can pick your spots. I don't know how busy you are in terms of assignments in the spring, but but you'll be able to uh, to, to enjoy, I hope, his college career at Washington. Yes, it usually works out pretty well. Um, you know, I'll do events in the spring, and in the summer I call the Seattle Storm, but uh, generally it's a little lighter mm -hmm. to, to be able to go watch games. So that's always fun. So, yes, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Good for you. Elise Woodward, our guest. Elise, I mentioned Scott Ruick and a national championship at Fox. I, I wonder, I wanted to get your eyes. Uh, you saw the game against the Huskies in which you marveled over the and your partner and I never I didn't I, I didn't attend who who were you working with on that game Sunday in Seattle at Alaska Airlines Arena who was your partner that yeah game? that was Alyssa Charleston okay. um and she played at Idaho she's been over in the Spokane area she was working as a sports broadcaster in Spokane and then actually just recently got hired to the Fox affiliate in Seattle Okay. Uh, which is great. And she was on the Pac-12 coverage last year in Vegas as a sideline reporter interviewer. So, okay. yeah, she does a good job. She did a good job. It was fun to listen to you guys. I didn't. I knew you. I didn't know her. But you both, you, you gave great kudos to how well Washington played and competed in it. But in the end, the Beaver defense was just phenomenal, wasn't it, down the stretch? Yeah, that's they can hang their hat on their defense and know that they're going to be in just about every game. And that's the way that it has been. And you know, when you only put 47 points on the board and you still get a win in Pac-12 play, you're feeling pretty darn good about your defense. And they're long, they take the right angles, they don't foul, they don't give up easy buckets. Um, they're not going to try to turn you over. Um, they're not pressuring you. They're just making you take a shot you don't really want to take. And so it's it's always been the M.O. of Scott Ruick in that program. They've led the Pac-12 in field goal percentage defense in six of the last eight years. And you know, he knows how to re recruit and coach those bigs to take up space, to alter shots, don't foul. Um, so it's, I always really enjoy watching his teams and see how they grow uh, defensively throughout the year. And yet, Elise, you did touch on the other reality. That's true, and it was evident and on display in that win against the Huskies. Yet, there is this 47-point matter you referred to, and then the tough back home, then back up for the reschedule game and yesterday shot just under 34 percent and lose to the Cougs 58-51 so let's talk about the other side when they're not defending what you saw what you saw if you watched the game yesterday and just sort of where you think and how Scott and the staff can tweak and what they can do to maybe get the offense going again 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, a big loss without Taylor Jones out there. She's, you know, averaging 12 points a game. She's a great rebounder. She's a great shot blocker. Uh, she does so many things. So for her to be sidelined right now is a big loss. Um, there's no question. Uh, they, they've got those bigs and you know that can come in um, in Yelena and Kennedy Brown, but it's going to be a challenge to kind of piece things together and hopefully you know Taylor can get back soon. Um, but in the meantime, I, I think you've got a really talented freshman who I really saw signs in Greta Camp um, Schrader that she's a really good player and she comes in highly touted and she shot the ball really well in the non-conference portion of the season. But she's got to adjust to Pac-12 play. She hasn't shot it well yet, uh, but she will. Um, it, this is the best conference in America. And you go from high school when you're six feet tall and you play the guard, your shot is rarely going to be affected by a defender because they're all smaller than you. And she's just going to have to adjust to getting the shot off a little bit quicker, um, how to get open, like more open on setting up the screen and all of those things. But I think she's a player that can really help out to Leah Von Olhoffen. And um, you know, take some of that scoring load off. I really like Taya Adams. Uh, she's a good change of pace. Um, I'd like to see her be a little bit more aggressive with her own shot like, when she gets in the lane. Um, but she's a good piece. But, I mean, I think the pieces are there. It's just a matter of you know, growing together. There's a lot of new faces in that offensive lineup. One of the things a texture, uh, an observation of somebody who follows the the program closely for the Beavs, texted us a little while ago and said. What the Beavers don't have right now is a veteran-type leader to take over and kind of, if, if, if people are off, you have one sort of, an Aaliyah Goodman or somebody else that you know is going to kind of find a way to score. And, yeah. and t- do, you, do you agree with that, that right now they're still kind of looking for that player? Well, I mean, you love to have them, but sometimes it's just not going to happen. But I do think, you know, I call that game, uh, against Arizona when mm-hmm. they lost at the last second to the seventh-ranked team in America, and Taya Corsdale played awesome. And right. She's a veteran that can score. It, what's interesting to me is that you know she does fluctuate offensively in terms of shot attempts. Mm-hmm. Like she's always efficient. I feel like she waits to have a really good shot all the time, and, and they may need her to be more aggressive. Um, because she's really talented, and she, at six three, she can you know get her shot off, um, and you know she's a good rebounder to finish inside. So I mean, that's a player that certainly um, I think with more shot attempts and being more aggressive, uh, she could be more productive. Interesting, Elise Woodward, our guest. That almost seems counter to the trend in life, which is you have to rein certain players in or most players in. Hey, get get a better shot. You don't need to force your way. Right. You can wait and get a better shot. But have you seen over the years, are there certain players that you almost would like to go the other way with and you think, hey, is one of them, look, you can score, you can shoot. Let's be a little more aggressive in the mentality that way. Well, I don't think there's any question. There's a fine line, and I appreciate it, that efficiency is how you win games, and Oregon State's always been really efficient in taking good high-percentage shots and not forcing bad shots. And there's so many teams that, they're streaky because they'll make some very hard, difficult, low percentage shots and they'll go on a run and everything, you know, is fallen. But then you'll turn around two minutes later and they're taking these same really difficult shots. They're not going to go in. So Florida State doesn't do that. They're, they're not a team that's going to, you know, shot hunt or take bad shots out of system or throw stuff up or, 
whatever the case may be. But I do think that there is a line, and they are under that line of being aggressive, perhaps. But they could be more so getting out in transition a little more or you know, trying to beat the defense down the floor. Like Kennedy Brown had a great – she flew down the floor one time in that game against UW and beat everybody down there. And, um, you know, that's certainly one part of their game. The hard thing about Oregon State is they just don't turn you over, so they don't get fast-break points. They don't steal the ball. So they have to grind everything out in the half court, and, you know, sometimes that can be a challenge. Elise, that's a that's an interesting point, and I wonder, too, about hanging your hat on what you do well, and you've, you've already touched on how well the Beavers have defended it without, you know, without trying to turn you over, without uh, full court pressing and so on. It, is there a fine line between between that and, a, and an aggressive approach on defense. I mean, Scott does what he does, and they do it well at such a high level. But is there always some give and take in terms of how you structure your team so you don't get as many, quote, easy transition opportunities? Well, sure. There, it's like everything. You can't be good at everything, yeah. right? You can't be a team that's really a gamble-led defense that drives to the lane and pressures the ball because that also, on your off nights, you give up lay Right. You give up high percentage shots, and on those good nights, you know you're gambling. You can get out and put together 10-0 runs in you know two minutes because your defense is getting you lands. But you know, we've seen obviously with uh, Oregon State with their defense, they're very good. They limit opponents. They're going to, as they always do, they're going to have to execute down the stretch because they're going to be in a lot of really close games. Mm. And they have so many sets, and they put so much pressure on the defense because they have so many ways that they can beat you. They certainly you can never relax when you're on defense against Oregon State because they'll hit you with the back screen when you're least expecting it. And, you know, you're like, oh, man, they haven't ran that all game. They're pulling it out in the fourth quarter. Like, you know, the yelling uh, three-point shot that yes. they had never run. <laughs> and then they're having their 6'9 center hit a three-ball to beat Colorado. Like, right. what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so they just – they there won't be – Sometimes a great margin for error because it is a possession-oriented type of game, but they've always been very good at executing down the stretch. Last couple of things with Elise Woodward, whom we understand we thought we were going to see at uh, Gill, but won't, and we understand and, yeah, and commend I you. Know. We I commend had all my you. Stuff done too, and I was like, ah, I know. You're making the I'll right. I'll be missing calling that game for sure. You're making the right life decision, no doubt, Elise. But in terms of the beeves and the. You've talked about Yelena hitting a three to help beat Colorado. Yesterday, the Beavers were one of 12 from beyond the line. Is that a fatigue thing, a one-off? A, it was, is Washington State considerably better? I mean, what are your thoughts about both Washington schools and, and then maybe the rest of the Pac-12 as this season plays out? It looks like everybody's a tough out. I'll tell you, every single win in Pac-12 conference play should be celebrated because there are no... There are no easy outs. If Washington is the 11th best team in the conference right now, and you know they are, they led on the road at both USC and UCLA. Uh, they were extremely competitive, had a fourth quarter lead against Oregon, and then against Oregon State, were right there in the final possessions down to the you know the closing moment. So, um, you know, they're a competitive team. Cal has the freshman of the year, and might be the national freshman of the year in Curry. She's just playing phenomenal, lights out when Cal has been able to play. So, I mean, it's just, to get a win, Utah is massively improved. They lead the conference in scoring. And I know, you know, I thought they played really well against Oregon and just couldn't squeak a, a win out on the road yesterday. But they're going to, 
that, that's a hard team because they have shooters all over the place. It's a tactical conference, and I think the, the, the floor of the conference, those easy wins that other conferences have, doesn't exist in the tactical conference. There's not a team that you can just, you know, show up and you know you're going to win. That is not the case. And Washington State, ton of respect to them. Um, they were in the NCAA tournament a year ago. They returned um, their, basically their entire starting unit. And I think that Bella Murakatete, their center, is better. So, you know, w- was I surprised that Oregon State went into Washington State and it was a close battle and Washington State pulled it out? No. Do I think it's an anomaly that Oregon State shot one of 12? Of course. They're a much better shooting team than that. Um, and is fatigue an issue? Perhaps. I mean, it's a quick turnaround, and they had to go over to Pullman, and it's a day game. I mean, that's just hard. It's hard to get ramped up and motivated, and um, those games happen. Everybody, you have, you know, three games that are, you know, where you play really, really well, and three games where you play really, really bad, and you're not really sure why, and then it, really your season is based on that middle portion of how good you are in the rest. Mm-hmm. Elise, it's a good talking to you. Uh, sorry that we'll miss you tomorrow, but have a great time at uh, Senior Night back uh, in Seattle. Thanks for taking time. I hope our paths cross again soon. We always enjoy you coming on the show, and thanks for making time for us. Oh, yeah. It's always good talking back to old basketball. I always love it. So uh, you take care, and hopefully chat soon. Thanks, Elise. Elise Woodward, our guest. The last time we talked to Elise, she was... She was doing football play-by-play on the Huskies radio network, pinch hitting for Tony Castricone and calling a Husky football game. As she said, it was just a surreal moment growing up in that market and Husky football. She got there a little, I think, after the national championship season or right around in that time. But Bob Rondo, the legendary voice, knowing she was sitting in that seat, she said was really something special and what Husky football means to that community. Did you grow up with that Right there in, in the heart of Husky land, you did not, TJ, before we take the last break, the Husky thing never really no, took hold on We you. lived very close. We lived, Ballard is like on the other, so you have U District, I-5, Wallingford, Ballard, in that if you go west. Yeah. But we weren't, never a college sports household ever. Hmm. We were right in, you're right, right, right there in the heart of Husky land. Yeah. Never once. I've never even been to a Husky game. I've never been to Alaska Airlines Field. I've never been. Well, You've never been, to, been to Husky Stadium? No. I've been to I've been to Heckhead, but that's it. And I've been to the baseball stadium. But I've not been inside Husky Stadium. No. On that note, well, I may just have to walk away. <laughs> Let somebody else take it's over. It's a beautiful here. stadium. Oh, it is. Outside, I just, I've that's ne- surprising. That's a surprising to me. You're young. and It's not your fault, but you're young. But I'm still surprised that you growing up right there in that area wouldn't set friends with, hey, we're going to the Husky game, TJ. Do you want to take? Nah, I don't care about college sports. If, I mean, it just seems like by accident you would stumble in there, blunder in there sometimes. Yeah, if it was me now, uh, I would definitely go to a game. But I'm, just the interest was never really there. Okay. Okay. But the so, Mariners, the Seahawks, yes, so, yes. As a pro sports household. Okay. We, <laughs> we take a final break. We'll wrap up the show next on 1240 Joe Radio. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. If you need your windshield repaired or replaced, you don't need to call that 800 number. Give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the 
glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Oregon State football alum and owner of Angry Beaver Grill, Randy Holmes. Come try our updated menu with new items such as the prime rib Philly cheesesteak, and don't miss our prime rib and salmon dinners on Friday. Every Wednesday, starting at 5 o'clock, try our $7 all-you-can-eat spaghetti dinner with garlic bread and salad. Angry Beaver also offers catering for groups large and small. Give me a call to schedule your holiday gathering, wedding, reunion, or any special occasion. Support local at Angry Beaver Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. Here at locally owned and operated Alirica Networks, we use the same service you do, so you can be rest assured that you're getting the very best internet service, whether for home, business, or enterprise. At Alirica, we make sure that each of our valued customers gets the plan that best fits their needs. So whether you require basic service or faster speeds for gaming or HD video streaming, we will make sure to match you with the plan that works best for your home or business. Alirica Networks always goes the extra mile. Give us a call or find out more at Alirica.net. 1240 Joe Radio. I was glad that we got a text about the Beavers' uh, middle infield. Travis Pizana, who played uh, very well at second base for the Knights, likely to be the second baseman for the Beavs. The shortstop position, a texture said that it was in the paper that uh, Jake Ducart is going to be the shortstop or likely the starting shortstop. That I haven't gotten yet to the level of getting down to the questions of Mitch and Ryan and so on. And the other day when the media day stuff was going on, Mitch may have touched on it. I was in another part of the stadium conducting individual interviews with Will Frisch, Wade Meckler, and Jacob Melton. And thus, it's on me. I didn't get to read Les Garrett's coverage in the Albany Democrat Herald and the Corvallis Gazette Times. But the texter says it was in the Albany Democrat Herald that it was suggested that Ducart and again, without reading a direct quote, I mean, did Mitch can our starting shortstop will be Jake Ducart, or did he just say Jake's the you know he'll he's in the mix of the likely guy that that I haven't gotten to the to that say, level I, yet. I would have to go rewatch it. I don't remember rewatch it. Listen to said it specifically. Okay, I think I mean there, it, all positions are up always for competition, and we'll see when they start practice tomorrow. I think Jake's a he's a solid defender and really good and could be the guy. There could be somebody else who could emerge to be a guy, too, defensively. So unless Mitch just said it's absolutely rock solid like it was last year, Andy Armstrong, is there a guy? Is Ducart the analog this year to that? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see as practice goes and as we head toward the opener February 18th. But thank you for the text. And I'm just so glad to get a text saying it was in the paper. The, the texture said it was in the paper. Now, I almost hope that means he read it in the paper. Didn't even see it online. Read it in the paper. I hope so. <laughs> Let's go to Mike in Seattle, who's read a few papers over the years. They're hard to find these days, Mike. Can, can you wander around where you live in Bonnie Lake and find a copy, a printed copy of the Seattle Times with great ease? Well, let's see. If I go to Fred Myers in Bonnie Lake, yeah. yes, over by the customer service, there's a rack. Okay. It's Good. got some newspapers in it. It's got the Tacoma News Tribune, which in its day was a great sports section. Yes. I tried to get that every day. I, yeah, I can get the Seattle Times. I can get USA Today. 
Okay. Wall Street Journal. Yeah, there's many papers in Bonnie Lake. Did you used to be a two, I mean, were you a three paper reader in the heyday of Tacoma News Tribune, the Times, and the PI? Would you go all three? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Back in the day in Portland where I grew up, you know, in the morning with Beth Oregonian, Birch Becerro, and all those guys, and Dwight James later, and then in the afternoon we got the Oregon Journal. And uh, we'd get them both at home, and my dad would read them there, you know, with his smoking jacket on, kind of like (laughs) back in the old days. And, uh, yeah, so then as I moved around, uh, it was a great way as a, as a single guy having lunch, you know, get a couple papers and sit down and have something to eat, and you can kill a good hour and a half. So uh, Great times. And, and so, yeah, there's papers. Good. I miss those days. And, by the way, before you launch into whatever it is you called about, we're going to close with you and appreciate your call, Mike. Uh, I did. Yeah. We have seen The Accountant and really enjoyed it. So thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. Very good film. Yeah, it is good, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's quirky, and mm-hmm. and I would say, Mike, that's the kind of that's the kind of movie that you need to watch a couple times. Every time you watch it, there's a little bit different angle that comes out. Okay, yeah, it's so good, good, yeah. The thank my you. My call was I told TJ on the phone, I'm happier now for him than I ever have been because he's <laughs> never been to Husky Stadium. God bless him. <laughs> but the purpose of my call was to get Elise Woodward on, and and the best show on KJR. Back in the day, and it wasn't that long ago. And as you know, there's a lot of good hosts at KJR. Mm-hmm. But every evening, I think from 7 to 10, it was Elise Woodward and Steve Kelly. Yeah. And though those two, because Steve had so much experience, you know, in so many different stories and so many different venues he'd been around. And he and her on those shows, and they had time at night, you know, you know, to get into things, yes. get a little deeper on some stuff. Yes. And it was really, really good. And I think she really did a good job, and she's a great up-and-comer up here. Also, back in time, I remember calling in, probably the first call-in show, because they were starting to play college football on Friday nights. Yeah. And she was all kind of excited about that. Mm-hmm. And I called in and said, hey, you got to be careful, because you're going to have kids that are playing <laughs> something on Friday nights and you're going to want to go, but you're on the radio. You prophesied. And now, as she, yes. yeah. yeah. So, because I saw that coming, I had a son who played football up here on Friday nights and yeah. and and, uh, and also Thursday nights. So, have a good day. Thanks, Mike. Got to get another win. As yeah. I told you a couple of days ago, we got to get another win. Yep. Hey, and, uh, I got it'll you. It'll be a good, so have a good day. Thank you, Mike. Great to hear from you. That 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 should we should get Steve Kelly back on and talk about those days with Elise and his own tremendous work through the years. We'll talk to Steve, I hope, soon. Great to have you on today. See you tomorrow. K-E-J-O Corvallis. And translator. K-229-D-I Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.